this is Spine. I'm your host, Hiba Tahir. For this bonus episode, I'm talking to poet Jasmine Kaur. Jasmine was named one of the Tempest's 40 Women to Watch in 2019. Her work was celebrated at the American Music Awards by Jennifer Lopez and shared by celebrity activists, including Tessa Mae Thompson, Reese Witherspoon, Cara Delevingne, and Sophia Bush. Jasmine has been featured in Harper's Bazaar India, Huffington Post, The Indy 100, Core Life Magazine, Seek Formations Journal, and other publications. Today we'll be discussing her debut poetry and prose collection, When You Ask Me Where I'm Going, which is now available with Harper Teen in North America and will be published in the Indian subcontinent by Penguin Random House India. My name is Jasmine Gore. I'm a poet, a spoken word artist, an educator, and the author of When You Ask Me Where I'm Going, which is a collection of poetry, prose, and artwork that explores what it means to be a woman of color, a sick woman specifically, living in a world that doesn't always hear you. And did you get your start in performance poetry? My first poem that I ever shared was a spoken word piece. And it was, you know, when I was 19 years old, I, you know, fell in love with spoken word as as an audience member. I started watching YouTube videos of poets that I really, really admired, kind of fell in love with this craft just as a listener. And through that, like through just listening to spoken word, I... I found the inspiration when I was 19 to, to share a piece that I'd written kind of for myself. I found the inspiration to share it with a group of girls. And from that unspoken word piece kind of came this written career, which is like really interesting to me because I think that for a lot of my friends, it came the other way where it began with um, written pieces that were meant to be read, but instead of the other way around. Um, so after I performed that first spoken word piece, I ended up loving the craft so much as as a writer that I pursued creative writing in my undergrad um, and like nothing in my life has ever been the same since. Oh that's awesome. Um, so how how is the journey from like going from spoken word to like the written word? So I think that like some of my pieces like I write them with the intent to be read and I think that some of my other pieces are I write them with the, the intent to be heard. When I'm writing a spoken word piece, I think the, the big difference when I'm writing a spoken word version of, you know, a, a poem versus like one that I want to be read on a paper is that I'm thinking about rhythm, I'm thinking about flow, and I'm thinking about um, how something will sound over music, how, you know, my pauses and inflections and like, you know, my tone can change while I'm performing to emphasize meaning. Whereas I think that when I'm writing something to be read, I create those pauses and, you know, points of meaning and boldness for specific words um, through the placement of the words on paper. So I think there's, it's a, it's a bit of like a different kind of craft, but I love both mediums of expression um, just because I think that you can get something different out of each piece. I think like one of the coolest things for me is like when, you know, a reader comes to one of my performance events and they've never been to a spoken word event before. And they say like, it's just, it's different when you hear it out loud. Um, and I love that from a performer aspect, because I think that like hearing things um, and bringing things to life through like oral storytelling adds such a cool layer of meaning to our work. This is a good time to bring up your um, general writing process as you're writing these poems. Like, how do you come up with ideas and how do you like yeah. go about creating the poems themselves? I think it's like different for every single poem. I think that with some of my favorite pieces... It was, like, not planned at all. It was just, like, a moment of 
inspiration or just something that I'd witnessed in the world that really like, you know, fired me up or angered me or frustrated me or needed to be unpacked. And comes to those poems, which, which somehow end up being my favorites. And also I think like that really engaged my audience. It's just a matter of taking my emotions that are very visceral and directly connected to something I've immediately experienced and trying to now gather them in the most succinct and like gut punching um, collection of words. Having said that, like I think like a lot of my other work, um, which is also like just as valuable, comes from you know a very slow process of like you know editing and revising and revising again, reflecting again, and kind of challenging myself even when I'm not inspired to be able to you know pen to paper and bring something to life. But I think my favorites will always be those poems that just hit me like a like a ton of bricks right in the moment. Do you have any like examples of those specific? poems that come to mind yeah yeah the one that's coming to mind right now is my poem called her voice and um, i can just read it out if you like yeah that'd be great Um, scream so that one day a hundred years from now another sister will not have to dry her tears wondering where in history she lost her voice and this poem it came to me like very suddenly as i was reflecting you know years ago about the very specific erasure of sick women's voices from the pages of history. I was reflecting on how there are so few historical documents that we have access to written by the hands of sick women and Punjabi women. And I was thinking about how, you know, my understanding of history would be so different if I just had access to a diary or like a written account of a sick woman's life from, you know, centuries ago. And then I came back to the present moment thinking about how, you know, in this day and age, it's such a beautiful thing to me that so many sick women are documenting their lives in such meaningful ways through through books, through poetry, through photography, through, you know, passion projects. And just like recognizing and appreciating the legacy that we are creating for future generations of sick women to be able to see themselves in the world. So that's literally where this poem came from. Mm-hmm. And the words, I cannot even explain like how they kind of came together in that moment, but they felt very right and very connected to this specific reflection. And it was so cool for me to, you know, take this five-line poem and share it with the world and realize that women of such different backgrounds connected with it for their own reasons and in such unique and beautiful ways. And that's, I think, why this poem especially is like so special because it came from a very personal reflection it came from you know this one moment hoping that you know my words would make sense to someone other than me and then it kind of flourished and blossomed into something that speaks to so many different topics and I I just appreciate that so much yeah no I really like that poem it's in like the it's on the jacket right for the book yeah yeah that leads me to another question you mentioned that your poetry is often used for these events that might be seen as less than positive, right? Um, And I think a lot of your work tends to stem from less than positive events. And I found that sort of ironic and funny in like a dark way, because you have a poem in the book that says something like, if he's never the place where the poems arise, perhaps you shouldn't call this home. I just, I found that really intriguing as a poet myself because, you know, it's sort of a double-edged sword. The best art tends to come from these negative feelings and events and, you know, like happiness doesn't breed poetry that often. Can you speak a little bit about that? I think that's something that I've been trying to unpack for the last several years. I think that a lot of my poetry, I would say the same thing, I think a lot arises from super painful experiences and it's necessary to unpack 
Um, and I think that poetry is a beautiful medium to unpack those emotions and heal and grow from them. But I also think that as women of color, like we are constantly being told that our painful experiences are the ones that need to be heard only. Right. Um, and that um, our, our happy experiences aren't as valuable. I think that I'm learning how to, to gather inspiration from all, from all angles, um, especially at this point in my life. I think that navigating the hurt and unpacking the hurt is important it's one part of the conversation but also celebrating our joys um, the things that free us and liberate us as women of color is so important in that healing process as well that's the part that we tend to forget about definitely can you speak a little about the artwork throughout did you illustrate that yourself so the artwork is um, done by me um so i it was super important for me to be able to add artwork to this book um because I think that some pieces come to life in a unique way when visual art is incorporated into it. And, you know, there are metaphors that make sense when the artwork is connected to the pieces. Some of the artwork, it features, um, you know, visibly sick people. Um, I drew myself literally into the book. Some of the illustrations are me. And I thought that, that was important to do because I grew up as a sick girl living in Canada, living in BC, who very seldom saw herself represented like I never you know it never even occurred to me that sick girls and women could be in books and on tv and in these public spaces because I'd just never seen that representation before so Mm -hmm. for me to be able to have you know the ability to now render myself visible and render sick women visible through this work it was huge and I wanted to to draw myself because I feel like you know, growing up, I was constantly taught to shrink and make myself invisible. Mm-hmm. So to be able to make myself concrete through this work was a way of saying that I deserve to take up space in the world, as do, um, you know, all girls. Right. Um, and did you pick the colors? There's, there's like a definite color scheme throughout. Uh, I picked I pick the blue. Um, and um, I think that blue was speaking to me. We had a choice of like, you know, any color. And I think that I I chose blue specifically because so much of the book deals with um, with like water themes, like coincidentally. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find water like a repetitive theme in a lot of my in a lot of my pieces. And just the metaphorical like possibilities were so beautiful to me. So um, even with the cover, um, we have blue artwork on it um, with a with a cream background. And the blue artwork on the front kind of it shows like the silhouette of of a face, but it also kind of like reminds me of a river to represent just like that flow and that stream of consciousness and one's thoughts traveling in like a very like beautiful and natural form. I loved being able to play with, play on that and to toy with the idea of like water and all these different kind of, through all these very different metaphors that come together through the work. The book definitely has like this biological component as well, which I think the blue serves very well. And it's composed of six different sections, skin, muscle, lung, nerve, heart, and light. Did you come up with the names for the different sections before you wrote the stuff within or was it the opposite way? It was a mix. So when I when I started working on the book, my first question to myself was how do I want to organize this? Because when I started working on the book about a year and a half to two years ago, um, I had a lot of work accumulated just on my laptop in a folder, uh, work that I'd never shared online before, but work that I knew belonged in a book someday. So when I was looking at all these pieces that I'd saved over time, over the past you know seven years of my life as a poet, my question was, how do I begin to like divide my work? How do I begin to 
find the correct placement for each of these pieces because um, so many of my so much of my work deals with such unique themes. I I talk about feminism, I talk about trauma, I talk about you know racism and healing and all these different things, and I wanted to make sure that they they find the right place and speak to a cohesive story that can be strung together. So the idea came to me to describe a journey through the human body, um, through the metaphorical human body. So I began with skin, um, skin being, you know, the outermost layer, it's the outside, it's what everyone sees when they interact with us. So in this chapter, you get experiences that relate to how a woman of color, a sick woman specifically navigates the world based on how people perceive me because of my skin and everything I wear on it, including my turban, including my sick identity um, and garments of my sick identity. Um, and then you go a little deeper into the psyche and you reach muscle. And I imagine muscle as representing anger and all the ways in which anger propels our muscles into action. So in this chapter, you find poems that deal with anger, personal issues, but also anger at social justice issues and injustices in the world. Then you go into lung. Um, and I've always described lung as like the emotional pit of the book. In this chapter, I chose the word lung to represent those moments in which all you can really do is breathe in and out. And that in itself is enough. So in this chapter, you'll find, you know, experiences related to, to depression and trauma and anxiety, and existential crises and all these kinds of mental health issues that we, we so often don't get to talk about. And then we move into Nerve. And Nerve is the chapter that includes my short story um, that explores the, the fictional narrative of a young Punjabi woman named Girin who comes from Punjab to Canada to raise a daughter while unwedded and undocumented. And I chose the name Nerve because I was reflecting on the ways in which my poetry, I feel like it kind of gathers into these characters. I deal with a lot of different themes, but a lot of the themes that I, I write to in my poems manifested almost in these characters, um, these fictional women who have become like very like, close to my heart. And I was thinking about the ways in which nerves exist in all parts of our body and they bring all organs to life, but we don't always appreciate nerves. And so that was kind of the connection there. Then we go into heart, which is my favorite chapter. This is a little more obvious. Um, heart has to do with love in all of its dimensions and expressions. Love for you know your loved ones, your partner, your family, your friends, the causes that are important to you. Um, and then we close with light. And as I said before, like I I wanted to take the reader into on a journey inward um, into the human psyche. And and I imagined that perhaps at the core of a human being there there could be nothing but light, despite all those layers of trauma that we, we carry within us. Um, I wanted to imagine that there could be a place within us that is free of those hurt, those hurts and those burdens, a place that is enlightened, even if we don't always feel that way. I think especially in the heart section, you have a lot of like, you said the second person where you address a you. Sometimes it's an unknown you, but there are moments when you explicitly address the reader. Can you speak a little bit about the ch choice to engage in that way? Yeah, I think when I use the word you, sometimes sometimes I'm speaking to myself because I feel like sometimes poetry needs to be a reminder to self. And I think that sometimes I'm speaking to someone in my life who perhaps I can't name. Sometimes I'm just speaking in general to my audience. But I think that when, when I can incorporate that second person or that you 
it creates a sense of intimacy and directness with the reader. It kind of bridges a gap almost where you feel that this now is the conversation that includes you. And that's really important to me. I think that the most beautiful poetry that I read makes me feel like I'm a part of the conversation, even though I may have never met that author or that poet before. So I chose to to address my readers in a very direct way and also address myself because I need those reminders as well. And who are those poets that you read? Who or what inspires you? So the very first poet, um, spoken word artist that I fell in love with was Sunny Patterson. So Sunny's work, um, I found it on YouTube when I was about 18 or 19 years old. It is, I think her work is the reason why uh, I pursued spoken word. I fell so in love with how Sunny expressed her relationship with like life and love and all these beautiful topics. And at the time, like I was just a reader. I was just a listener. I did not perceive myself as having the skills to actually do the work that I so deeply admired. And at the first open mic that I organized, I didn't know that I myself could write. I was so enamored with Sunny's work that I wanted to just like read one of her poems out loud if I was given permission to do so. And then someone encouraged me to go ahead and try to write my own. But I just think like that, like I still hold on to that piece to this day, just like the inspiration that I found through another poet's work, I think it, it just reminds me every single day, like, you know, I, I do this because I love writing, but I also do this because I deeply love this craft and I've, I've felt and experienced so much joy listening to poets. Lenny Patterson was a huge inspiration for me. Ki Bala was another poet who really, really inspired me. Worsen Shire. More recently, I've discovered so many amazing poets on Instagram who've inspired me. Trista Matir um, is a poet whose book, Aphrodite Made Me Do It, um, has been like a huge source of inspiration for me this year, especially in the sense that her work for, you know, her work as a, as a queer woman, a, a queer woman who is a poet made me suddenly feel so engaged with the metaphors that she used related to Greek mythology, where like, you know, when I was in university, I never, I never felt a sense of connection between like Shakespeare, you know, the Shakespeare that I was studying or um, Milton or like, you know, these Greek myths that were made to feel like the only valuable form mm-hmm. of, um, of poetry. Um, but when I, when I've encountered so many of these amazing reimaginings from feminist perspectives and from queer perspectives of these kinds of stories, I finally, I finally like, recognize the sense of like connection I think that's such a beautiful thing um, because we don't always have access to that kind of like connection right the, you know, the, in universe. the internet is especially amazing for that reason yeah can you tell me a little bit more about your prose how do you switch between writing poetry and prose yeah it's like a totally different part of my brain um so for a while when I was in university I was studying YA creative writing um I did like a bit of children's lit a bit of novel writing and when I was in university I found that like when I was in those courses, I could not write a single poem to save my life. Like my brain was just in like fiction writing mode. So now um, when I'm I'm doing both, I've kind of learned how to find a balance and learned how to to write this, the, the prose piece and then find a poem within it after it's done. That's usually how it works with me now, where this year especially I've written a lot of prose and the poems have come after. And I'm still trying to figure out like why that is. I think it, it I think the prose allows me to unpack my emotions 
in a very extensive and like drawn out way and then the poem allows me to gather all those those thoughts up and summarize them very succinctly just primarily through emotion I think we touched on this a little bit but can we go back to your poem writing process I'm interested in how you compose poetry and revise it in particular so it depends on how the poem comes to me like I said sometimes the lines will just like come to me fully formed within the span of like a few moments to an hour and sometimes it just takes you know days and weeks to get those words right I think that for me I I tend to get very caught up in how others will perceive my work so that can kind of stop me from being able to express myself the way I'd like to so one thing that I do for myself to overcome that it is to just write exactly what comes to my mind put it down on paper or on my phone and not censor myself or filter myself anyway and I just I write those pieces initially for myself um, knowing that no one in the world will see what I've done except for me so that takes kind of that pressure of an audience off and after that that's when I begin to refine the work edit and self-reflection whether you know these the mind spill that I've like put down on paper will actually communicate my message clearly because communication isn't just what you intend it's what's conveyed to to the listener um so from that that very personal piece I will take out what I'm comfortable sharing with the world um, take out those lines that feel special or feel powerful or feel particularly important and then begin to revise those and shape them and craft them um and then from there after that kind of personal editing process then I love to take my my work to a fellow poet who I trust um, and whose judgment I value and ask them to give me their thoughts on like my word choice the placement of you know the words on paper the metaphors um, whether the message is being conveyed as clearly as possible so I love to like you know get a bit of like feedback um, and then amalgamate like the feedback that I get with my original intention because I think that both are important um, and we shouldn't simply erase all parts of of ourselves from our work just because one editor or one cr- critic has a certain opinion about it. I think that there's space to bring things together while staying true to yourself. And then after that revision process is done, then I, I create the final piece. And if I feel comfortable, I will po- post that online. Where do you normally post them? Um, a lot of my work goes onto Instagram. Um, that's where the majority of my audience is. Um, and I also post to Twitter occasionally. I think that I was first drawn to Instagram because I love this idea that I could just go online and share my thoughts freely and that someone in the world would run into it and I didn't have to wait for someone else to decide whether or not that work was valuable enough to be read or heard. So Instagram has always been my place. It's where I kind of first began sharing. And even though I've got, you know, a book out in the world now, I think that Instagram is still like, super valuable to me because, like I said, a lot of my audience is there, and I love that idea that I can just instantly connect with my readers. Great. Thank you so much for doing this. Likewise. No, I'm super excited. Um, I'm on tour at the moment, um, so um, I'm halfway through all the events um, and just, like, excited to see what comes next. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you enjoy your favorite podcasts. Be sure to rate and review us. The show is hosted by Heba Tahir and edited by Eric Wilder. Our theme song is Sweet Berry Wine by Blue Wednesday. Spine is a production of Spine Magazine. For show notes, articles, audio and video about the enormous talent that goes into creating books, visit spinemagazine.co.